Um, I, I wanted to just let you know also we had a really good time last, uh, last weekend in, in um, Pomona uh, with uh, Pastor uh, Ruben Gutierrez and Pastor Paul Gutierrez. We had a really a blessed time. They were very gracious to us, uh, uh, very um, uh, uh, hospitable, uh, took care of us, uh, treated us nice, treated us well. And uh, I think that's, um, uh, I just want to thank the Lord for that. Appreciate you folks as well for providing a way for us to get there. And uh, we, we connected with them and shared with them, and, and the Lord was very, uh, I believe the Lord was there and able to just encourage us, encourage them, and we were able to minister to some folks uh, that are at, were, were just out of prison, uh, women in a women's home, uh, women that are living in a, in a shelter, and uh, it was a blessing just to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. But we appreciate you, our church family, for allowing us to do that, okay? God bless you guys. I want to talk to you very, very very quickly, pointedly, and candidly on the subject of the revelation of God's unconditional love. Now, Prince Edward met the woman who would completely change his life in June of 1931. Prince Edward was a prince of England. At a party hosted by Lady Furness, the prince was introduced to Wallace Simpson, a sophisticated, charming, and charismatic American woman who had recently moved to London. She immediately captured the king's interest, and later she captured his heart. Now the monarchy, the kingdom, the king and the queen of England were not pleased with the pairing. However, and and, and they refused to allow a marriage between the future king, Prince Edward, and an American divorcee. In 1936, Prince Edward would succeed his father, George V, after he passed away, becoming king of England, King Edward VIII. He was a popular king for a very short time. And on December 11th, 1936, he abdicated, he gave up the throne in the face of opposition to his proposed marriage to Simpson. He proclaimed to the public, I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility and to discharge my duties as king, as I would wish to do without the help and support of the woman I love. So King Edward turned over his kingship to the kingdom, his keys to the kingdom, and he married Wallace Simpson. He literally gave up his kingship, his throne, king of all of England, for a woman. One of the great love stories of our time that a man who was king of a nation would give it all up for the love of a woman now I'm a romantic at heart and that's some serious love you better believe it that's a rom- I'm a, I, I, I hear a love story like that and it's like wow I'm captured by a story like that yet I want to share with you the greatest love story of all time and the greatest love story of all time is not that King Edward would give up his throne for Wallace Simpson, but that Jesus Christ gave up his throne for each and every one of us. <coughs> you have to bear with me for a little bit here.
The story of Jesus is a king who gave up his throne in the name of love to save the whole world. Not just to marry somebody, but to save the whole world, which includes a nobody like me. That he would think enough about me, and you need to feel this way about you. That he would think enough about us, that he would abdicate his throne, come to this earth, give up his only begotten son. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he so loved That's some serious love. That he would so love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. A love so great that it compelled and moved God to the point that he would give up his throne to take on the form of a man. Walk this world, shed his precious blood and die on the cross to cross out my death sentence. And all of this while we were anti-Christ. <coughs> All of this, while we were enemies of the cross. All of this, while we were anti-God. And I want you to understand, and I want you to know, that God, through His Word, wants you to know, when Paul wrote, I would that you would love, I would that you would understand the unconditional love of God, the the width, the length, the height, and the depth. God wants to give us a revelation of His unconditional love. Because for many of us, we say, I know God loves me, and, and I love God. But we really haven't received a revelation of God's unconditional love for us. And I pray today that I would inspire that just a little bit in your heart. That, that the mystery of, of, of God's unconditional love would begin to unravel. Because God wants us to understand it. He wants us to get it. And that's why Paul said, I would that you would understand that you would comprehend this love. The height, the width, the depth, the length. That you would get this great picture of God's love for each and every one of us. Now, first of all, God's love is un conditional there are no conditions for his love you don't get good to get God's love you don't go get cleaned up and then say now I'm worthy of God's love you don't live a perfect life to merit God's love you don't live this perfect Christian walk with God so that you somehow then qualify for God's love God's love for us is unconditional He loves us because He chooses to love us. That's it. There is no other reason. He makes a decision. He made a choice to love us. The Bible says He chose us long before the foundations of the world. Long before there was a foundation. Long before you were a figment of someone's imagination. He chose you. He chose me. That's why it was easy for him to make a decision for God so loved the world. It was all of us people in the world that he had already chosen long before the foundations of the world. He already chose you. 
He already mapped out your DNA. He already knew who you were and who you were going to be. He knew you beginning to end. First to last, A to Z, Alpha to Omega. And in spite of all that, he chose to love you anyway. And he chose to love me. His love is not dependent upon finding something in me that merits his love. It's unconditional. Deuteronomy chapter 7, he chose us. He chose us. Now check this out. It says, though we were incomplete, God loves us completely. Though we are imperfect, he loves us perfectly. Though we may feel lost and without a compass, God's love encompasses us completely. He loves every one of us, even those who are flawed, rejected, awkward, sorrowful, or broken. Deuteronomy chapter 7 says this. It says that God chose us, speaking to the nation of Israel, and speaking to us by proxy. He chose us, not because we were the greatest, not because we were the fastest, not because we were the strongest, But the Bible says he chose us because we were the broken. He says, you were the least of all your brothers. And I chose you. God chose us. We need to get this. Because our esteem of how God looks at us sometimes is is flawed. And we, we condemn ourselves. And we judge ourselves. And we live on guilt. Because we don't fully, fully, fully understand the great love, the unconditional love that God has for us. It can be said that we are victims of God's love. You're a victim of His love. You're a victim of His love. I'm a victim of God's love. I can't hide from His love. I can run, but I can't hide. I can say He doesn't love me. He still loves me. I can backslide and do what I want and think, oh, God doesn't love me, but he still does. His love is unconditional. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're still there. What's he saying? You still love me. You still see me. You know me. You see me. You love me. I can run, but I can't hide. You're always there, God. This love is great. The same God who loves us as we are, as we are, also loves us too much to leave us as we are. So with patience and long-suffering, He slowly begins to change us. With every step, He sees us through the eyes of love. He sees us through the eyes of love. Can I tell you that, that I need to see people, and I need to see my family, and I need to see this world, and I need to see myself through the eyes of God's love. Every situation... Every time someone offends you, hurts you, breaks your heart, lets you down, wounds you, is it possible that we could somehow see them through the eyes of God's love? Because that's what He wants. Because that's how God sees us. We see all the madness. We see all the the dirt. We see all the things that are broken and incomplete. God sees us through eyes of love. We see us through who we are. God sees us through who we can be. He sees us through the eyes of love. Always a step ahead. Now, to illustrate God's great love for us, the Bible gives us a story 
in a book written by a guy named Hosea. It's in the Old Testament. And if you don't know where that is, start at Matthew. I mean, start at Genesis. Make a right and just keep going. And one of these days you're going to run into the book of Hosea. It's there, okay? This was the Israel version of, of Hosea. We know a lot of Hosea's, right? Yeah, we know a lot of Hosea's. Well, back in the days of Israel, they had Hosea, all right? So it's a version of Hosea. Maybe we got it from them. Hosea was a righteous, godly man. He was the Lord's prophet. He was such a great prophet, even though he was considered a minor prophet, but a great prophet, that of all the prophets, his book, his letter, his story is in the Bible. Of all the prophets that God had, he includes Hosea. Not because he was a super great guy or a super great man, but he did something that God told him to do to illustrate to us thousands upon thousands of years later of how great and how unconditional the love of God is. Hosea was a preacher. He was a righteous man. He was a godly man. He was a prophet. God told him, I want you to take a prostitute for a wife. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I would have a hard time with that one. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that doesn't even sound right. But I'm being real. I mean, that's probably something I wouldn't do. Just talking about our own human nature, the way I've thought, the way I think, something I wouldn't do. God talks to Hosea. I want you to take a, a prostitute for a wife. Hosea, being a much better man than I ever will be, says he will to God. I'll do it. So God says, I want you to take this woman. She's a harlot. She's a prostitute. Her name is Gomer. Take her. She will be your wife. So Hosea obeys God. And he takes Gomer to be his wife. The name Gomer in Hebrew means complete and perfect failure. So God was saying, Hosea, I want you to marry a complete failure. She's a perfect failure if there is such a thing. She's a complete mess. She is as low as you can go. She is at the bottom of the barrel. Even other prostitutes don't like her. But she's the one you're going to marry. And so he does. A complete failure. Gomer was the daughter of Deblaine. And Deblaine, Gomer's mother, her Hebrew name meant dried, rotten, corrupt, dead. So now, not only did Hosea marry a complete failure, but her lineage, her story was, she was a complete failure who was dried out, rotten, dirty, and corrupt. You couldn't get much lower than that. She was a failure, and her mother was corrupt. And together the whole family was as messed up as you can be. This was the kind of family you stayed away from. This 
was the kind of family who lived on the north side. This was the kind of family that was in the heart of the worst neighborhood that you could find. The lowest of the low. Can I tell you that this story shows the nature of God's great love? Because if you haven't figured it out yet, Hosea is a type and figure of Jesus. Gomer is a type and figure of us. Deblaine is a type and figure of our fallen nature, sin. Jesus died and married us. We, the church, are his bride. And we have come from this kind of a background, broken, tore up, messed up, spiritually prostituting our lives, worshiping other idols, committing sins against God, anti-God, enemies of the cross, yet he died for us. Isn't that amazing? That's why we sing about his amazing grace and his amazing love for us. That even though we are and have been pro-sinners, we've run from God. He still loves us. Now, Gomer did not change. Hosea married her. They had a child. She lived with him. She was his wife. But the Bible describes that she would rise up in the morning and she would fix herself up, put her earrings on, put her makeup on, put her dress on, and she'd go right back out to prostitute herself. While she was married, while she had a child, while she lived with the prophet Hosea. And the Bible says that Hosea was told by God, you see her, you take her, you love her. And although she went in and out and in and out, Hosea continued to love her. That's God's love for us. How many times do we sin against God in a day? How many times do we sin against God in an hour, in a month, in a week, in word, thought, or deed? How many mistakes do we we make? How many habits do we wrestle with? How many times do we fall? Yet God's great love continues to reach out to us, continues to pull us up. God says in Hosea, He says, I will stoop down to feed the one I love. He will stoop down. Didn't He stoop down when He left heaven? And He says, I stoop down. I don't expect you to come up to where I am. You can't. But I'll go where you are. And He did that in the form of Jesus Christ. And He says, I will feed you. What does He feed us with? He gave us his story. He gave us his word. He gave us his promises. He gave us his blood, his grace, 
His awesome love that while we were yet sinners, He died for us. What an incredible story. God tells Hosea to love this woman even though she kept running around and committing adultery. That's crazy love. That's Jesus' love for all of us. That's God's love for you. Even though we are and have been pro-sinners, pro-sinners, she was a pro. She was perfected in her craft. She was not a part-time prostitute. She was a complete and utter prostitute. Pro-sinner. Pro-sinner. No different than us. We can feel a little bit better because we think we don't sin like that. But we're all dirty. And we've all committed sin against God. Even though we are pro-sinners and we run from God and we backslide and we mess up, the hound of heaven keeps chasing us and loving us with amazing, alluring love. You need to read the book of Hosea. You'll find a scripture there that says, He will allure us with His love. He says, God says, I will take her out to the wilderness. I will allure her to myself. I'll keep loving her. He says, I'll love Ephraim, the tribe of Israel. I will love them to the point that they will say, why do I need idols if I have God's love? It's amazing. This story to illustrate God's love for us. I want you to know that God loves us in His dimension. God loves us in His dimension, not ours. Hosea 11 and verse 9 says, I am God. This is God speaking. He says, I am God, not a man. I am God. I am not a man. You love in your dimension. I love in a God dimension. His love for us is in a different dimension. Some of us love like we have been loved or unloved by men and women. Some of us love like we've been loved. If we were taught to love with a hard hand, then we love people with a hard hand. If we weren't loved too much when we were kids, then we grow up with defenses. If you were abused or molested when you grew up, then many times the defenses are up. I'm not sure. Sometimes it's hard to trust somebody until you come across the alluring love of God. But let me tell you, there are still things in our flesh and in our mindset. Well, I'm a man. I don't love like that. I'm not a romantic. I don't love like that. I don't have a a soft side. So we don't show love to our kids and we don't show love to our brothers and sisters. Whatever the case is, you love and I love in our dimension based on how we've been loved, based on our hurt, based on our ability to gauge love. Some people have been so hurt that every time you say something to them, they can't take a simple compliment. Their guards are up. They're ready to fight. What? Why? Why are you telling me that? What do you want? What are you trying to get off me? Defenses are up. You know what I'm talking about. Or if you've been hurt, you don't want to be hurt again, so we don't love. If you've been rejected, I know what it's like to feel rejected, and I felt like, you know what, my best defense about about feeling rejected is just to not get close to you. So if I don't want to be rejected by you, I just won't get close to you. That way way when you reject me, it's not going to hurt. Because you're not close. If I let you get close, you might hurt me. So people don't love. 
I think it's worth getting hurt to love somebody. It's worth it. Because you'll never know what kind of a great relationship you can have with somebody if you're not willing to do what? To risk loving somebody. What did God do? He loved us in a God dimension. Our human dimension causes us to put up barriers against love, to give and to get. God broke barriers. He risked everything to love us. He died for us knowing that we might still not love Him. There are people all over this world that don't love Jesus today. There are people in churches that don't love Jesus. But He risked it. He loved us anyway. You were worth it. You were worth taking a chance on. He chose to love you. Nobody put a gun to His head. He chose to love you. He used the free choice uh, to love you. And he gives us the same choice today. Will you love him? Will you love him? Let me say to you categorically that God's love is unconditional. You may have broken every promise to him, but God still loves you today. You may have turned away from him, At times, God still loves you. You may have gone back to your old lifestyle. God still loves you. You may be committing spiritual adultery with many other things. Yet today you stand as the object and the victim of his love. His love is eternal. His love is based on eternal choice and can never be destroyed and can never be eradicated. God's love is real. I don't need to feel anything. I just need to believe it. And I need a revelation of God's unconditional love for somebody like me. The many failures I've experienced in life, the many letdowns, what about you? Yet God still loves. That's why it's worth getting up in the morning. That's why it's worth to not give up on God. That's why it's worth to put your eyes on Him and not on man. That's why it's worth to put your eyes on Him and not on anything else or anybody else. Because while I was yet a sinner, He still loved me. And He loves me now today. I've shared my dad's story with you before and I'm not going to share it all now. But I will tell you this. My dad accepted Jesus into his life. A couple of years later, he backslid And spent the next seven years of his life back in prison and back addicted to heroin. And one day he he went to his grandmother's funeral, San Jose, California. And he went to my grandmother's funeral once again under the influence of drugs to pay his respects to his grandmother. The preacher preached. The service was held. Nothing happened. There was no audible voice of God. There was no big experience like the first time he encountered God there was no preacher to talk to him he was driving home through the Pacheco Pass with my mom with me and my brother and as he's driving in the car he says to me at that moment he received the revelation 
of the unconditional love of God for him. And at that very moment, he said to God, all I have to do is surrender my life back to you. He understood at that moment there was a revelation, a revelation, an awakening, an encounter that God loved him in spite of him. My dad committed his life. The next 35 years of his life were fully committed to Jesus. He wasn't perfect. And I know my dad made mistakes after that. But there was no turning back. There was no going back to heroin. There was no going back to prison. It was forward with the understanding that God loved him. Can I tell you today that's one of the reasons that I believe in God today? One of the pillars of my belief system in a God is the life of my dad. That's what I've anchored myself to. It's one of the things that, that keeps me believing, even though when there's doubt and there's frustration, is knowing that a God like my God could love a dad like my dad in spite of everything he did. The things I know about, the things I don't know about, God still loved him. He loves you today. So we need to pick ourselves up. No matter what circumstance we're walking in, no matter what things are happening around us, experiences as people and as a church, as a group of folks who believe in God, that God's love is real today. In spite of our failures, in spite of our letdowns, Jesus loves us right here, right now, with an everlasting love. It's great. It's powerful. And if we can begin to understand it, it'll change the way we act. It'll change the way we think of ourselves. Because how many times do we go around putting ourselves down? Man, I'm I'm such a failure. I'm a loser. I messed up. Dang, man, you know, I can't seem to win. I can't seem to get over. I'm always struggling. I'm always going through this. This didn't work out, so now I'm just a total failure. I'm a wreck. I bumped heads over here, so now I just... You know, I have a personality disorder. I can't seem to get my, my walk right with God, so what's wrong with me? Slap, slap, beat ourselves up. We're not loving ourselves. You need to start to see yourself through the eyes of God's love. That in spite of whatever, God's love is real. He really loves you. He's not waiting for you to get good to get God. He's already good. That's why the Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's not what's bad about God. It's what's good about Him that causes me to return and say, God, I need you. God, I love you because you love me. The Bible says that we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. There's nothing else there. It's not we love Him because... You know, of everything that I did and I love you, God, and let me show you how much I love you by doing this and doing that. And The more I do, the more I show you I love you and we're trying to work things out in the sense of let me work hard and if I work hard, you'll love me more. It's not like that. It's very simple. (coughs) We love him 
because he first loved us. That's it. Would you bow your heads with me right now?